0: Fantastical worlds with help from you, our listener. My name is Rob Hilferty, and for the last several episodes, I've missed giving Chris's titles. So now I'm just going to do the remaining three that I have picked out for this stretch, because why not? Chris, you are the Tiaget of Xylophones, the Yuvraj of you know what, and the Zamandar of zebra stripe gum. <laughs>
1: what? I do like zebra stripe gum.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know it's what that good. title is. Uh, look, those last three look. Dude, I don't do titles for this one, and man, X, Y, and Z turns out are pretty difficult. So I had to go foreign with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's all good. And gentlemen, I I did want to mark that this is our 52nd episode, which means that this is officially one whole year of world build with us. Wow,
2: we're so old now.
1: And now it's time for the new fifty-two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're it's out with the old, in with the new, which is the same as the old. So, you know, don't throw us in the garbage quite yet.
2: I um, think we didn't have a celebration because you know, like the world is literally on fire. Yeah. No, yeah, just I mean, Amazon.
1: Just, yeah, just,
2: about, about that.
1: Actually, aren't <laughs> both Amazons on fire right now?
2: Oh, they're always on fire. <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, it never stopped being on fire. I'm no, at the
1: warehouse now too. Oh, no,
0: maybe, no, no. but I mean, that's not going to stop anything. That's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I just want to say how happy I am that we made it to one whole year of podcasting and how exciting that is. Because, mm-hmm. man, that's exciting.
2: I'm just very excited about the regular uh, emails we get from people because yeah, keep those
0: emails coming. Those are really fun and help us stay motivated when we create cool mecha settings like the one we're going to continue on exploring today. Oh, our our obviously our second continuing special guest is Daniel Quinn. Daniel, (laughs) glad glad to have you back. Um, When your uh, continuing special guest eventually runs out. Uh, we're just gonna have to never have you back on the show again, I guess. Uh, not birthday. after last episode's Pacific Rim debacle.
2: <laughs> I'm always here to um, bitch and complain as much as anyone wants.
0: You know that is actually really
2: accurate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It gives me strength.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're aware. You're you're a man who lives off of pettiness and cocaine, and that's <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> and and fine grain alcohol. So you're yes. a mix of those three things. Yeah, especially yeah.
2: sweet. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> On this week's episode, like I said, we are continuing our mecha setting, which you may have seen as the land of thousand mechs, because we're creatively bankrupt and why not. <laughs> 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 On this episode specifically, we're going to be exploring the factions, events, and conflicts within our newly created setting where interstellar travel and relics are all cool and everything like that. Um, so who wants to start us off and where
1: in a lot of fiction, I always like when there is something that separates a lot of people, uh, especially in space fiction in 40 K there was the eye of terror in bebop. There was the gate incident in, um, in a lot of it, it's always the collapse of society and, or the separation of, uh, how close people can live like a wormhole stops working uh what I wanted was whatever unit of space travel that we were going to do uh there was an incident where it just stopped working for a period of I want to say 200 years and this is what caused a lot of different cultures to pop up throughout the let's say sector So you can have one instance over here that's been culturally divergent for 200 years and they've kind of sprouted their own beliefs, their own culture. And uh, I was thinking of calling it the gate event, but uh, that was also going back to the bankrupt of uh, naming ideas.
2: I I like that idea of having separation um, because of some kind of uh, like travel issue. Um, and the, the concept that I had, uh, which I'll talk about later, oh, it's almost like a correction to that. So it's it's an event, too. But I can get into that once we once we kind of see the effects of space travel being hampered.
0: I do. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say, Chris, that is a really cool idea. Like, I love the idea of divergent cultures as a result of, you know, the inability to travel. Mm -hmm. I think that's really an interesting way to kind of explore how things can change. And I would imagine that, you know, when you're separated from the main arm of a, of an intergalactic empire that, yeah, you're, you're going to be like, Oh, well we're missing a lot of the benefits of, you know, our government, which is kind (laughs) of a problem. So there's, I imagine a pretty big, you know, struggle or strife to that when that separation begins in a lot of cases
2: i mean we established too that a lot of their um conflict stems from the fact that they're colonists or trying to colonize space so with this being a difficulty and separation from like the home world you start to develop separate cultures too which is what gets interesting
0: yeah absolutely and not only that but i think the setting after the fact would be particularly interesting as well because you're also you know like we've we've gone past the point where you know like that war of reunification has already happened right mm-hmm. so i imagine that where we are now in the timeline is after everything after it's after the 200 years of divergence but yeah. then also after everything comes back together again as well
1: right yeah yeah probably some compromises made where just like all right yeah we understand you guys do this uh no one else really does, but uh, just you know, pay your tithe and we're fine.
0: I, I mean, it's it, that's a weirdly religious way to say that, but yeah, okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> Although so, I mean, it's the terminology. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of serfdom, and uh, I, I don't know what other word I'm thinking of, besides taxes. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> well, we did, we did say they were somewhat religious in um, the sense that they respect the Mex's sacred objects. So I could see that being. That kind of vocabulary making sense, like at least aesthetically.
0: See, I, I always had the idea that the relics were um religious to the reliquaries only and not necessarily to the population at large. That's kind oh, of the idea that I had in my mind.
2: Maybe maybe that that maybe that's true and it extends to like really higher ups that view it as more than just the machine. So like mm-hmm. the regular people see that this is like you know our defender or this cool robot thing but then like people in the know who have contact with the reliquaries, have some knowledge of its sacredness. That might be. way. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, so that actually kind of ties into my event and also a little bit of my conflict, but I'm just going to roll into my event now, which involves the creation of these relics. Now it is our one year anniversary here at world build with us. And our very first world was the land of a thousand gods. And in that, our very first Babbie's first series, we introduced the concept of a God heart, which was essentially the physical manifestation of a divine being. And I was thinking to myself, well, if these relics are inherently divine and they are all essentially an individual unique consciousness, why don't we have the power source for each of these relics be a God heart? Uh, that's so funny yeah uh That's true. because it's I, I I love the idea because it explains the religiosity mm-hmm. it explains uh the the absolute uh uniqueness to each relic it also explains why they're incredibly powerful and if you'll recall we had it so in our apocalypse episode for that series all of the Godhearts essentially go dormant as the universes collapse into a singular universe. So I thought that why not have this this mecca setting just be the land of a thousand gods, but you know, in the forty k distant future.
2: That is and- so cool.
0: Yeah, I was very excited for this idea. And I'm so happy that you went first with events, Chris, because it allows me to throw that in there now and get it out of the way. And man, how fucking cool is it going to be to come up with relics that are specific to some of the old gods that we created and how they differ and everything like that? Also, the other thing that I kind of wanted to, you know, play on a little bit is the idea of losing and gaining humanity through piloting these relics. And I think that's thematically appropriate. If you're going to be a human, those gods, those God hearts are basically trying to drain, you know, whatever faith that you have in you. And so it might take away some of your humanity, quote unquote. And meanwhile, because the synthetic beings don't have humanity, quote unquote, to speak of, they're actually, hearing the echoes of the faiths uh, or or the, the, the worship of these gods. And so the gods are literally imprinting onto these synthetic creatures, trying to forcefully turn them into a living God heart.
2: Mm -hmm. And what's, what's really neat about that is it shows how you can have, um, like flavors of the same kind of base setting. So, like, this, the same concepts can then be reused in, in the sci-fi version of a, of a fantasy setting. Like, how do you convert a fantasy setting? Well, this is an example, you know, by working with one concept. And it also makes me think of um, Deep Space Nine and how you can merge, um, you know, kind of hard science fiction with with religious concepts that are definitely, like, you know, soft magic. And it can still work.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I I just loved the idea because I wanted to be able to go back and be like, hey... You know thousands and thousands of years in the future mm-hmm. you know like the world is demonstrably different and they've basically forgotten about the gods right and so what's left are these incredibly powerful relics
2: it and leaves I room for storytellers them. too like as a storyteller like you can leave that kind of vague you know and let if it's a game players discover more details if they're interested you know of the past oh absolutely
0: and again, I, I wanted to create explanations for certain questions that we had in the setting. And also, like if I were to present this as a setting, I probably wouldn't put that forward. I would leave it yeah. somewhat of a mystery, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I thought that just that idea is one of those things where it's like, yes, this is the cool thing that I want to do. Um, yeah, that's that that my so my event was the creation of the relics through the God Heart. And I'm still going to leave some mystery in that no one knows how they became mechs and no one knows who built the mechs, just that these things are the hearts and the engines for the mech themselves.
1: Oh. Oh, at at first I thought you meant that like the relics were the things powering the mechs, but you mean like the mech themselves are now the relic. It's a little bit of both. It's, It's
0: a little bit of both, yeah. I would imagine that, um, oh, actually, you know what it could be? It could be like um, the reliquaries have essentially entered God pacts mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, like, but essentially. Oh, that's they can like heal them. Yes, exactly. So, So they have some level of divine. And, and why you have to go to specific followers and specific reliquaries because mm-hmm. you're not going to have this particular worshiper. heal another one. And I imagine that the reliquaries don't even necessarily know what's happening, Mm -hmm. just that when they make contact with these God hearts, they're making contact and entering into a pact with a consciousness that is beyond their comprehension at the time. And Mm -hmm. so they're they're even a little in the dark about what they're doing, except, you know, sometimes these these consciousnesses within the God hearts are like, hey, you're gonna have to do this and the reliquary might be like oh no this is this is not the time no that's not the type of consciousness that i want no i'm gonna no thank you i'm good
2: what you're talking about explains um how it affects humans you talked about a little bit of how it affects humans versus synthetics because like it could be that the human in the the, the suit their faith is elevated instead of enervated in the sense that they become zealous you know they're too faithful to infuse with humanity's beliefs Whereas the synthetic lacks that so they become faithful and they have um, more humanity. So I could explain like the dissonance effect that we talked about. Absolutely absolutely yeah I wanted to follow up on Chris's period of um, hampered space travel because I think it ties perfectly into my event in that um, you know whatever whatever the situation was that caused it to be difficult to make interstellar progress in colonizing um, worlds in, the, in 200 years ago. I want the event to be that um, an event to be that they, they, one of these factions, and I have a, a variety of interesting political factions in for my conflict section, but one of these factions discover um, a, what's called a cosmic string. Um, and um, I'm not going to talk about what a cosmic string actually is in science because it's over my pay grade, but essentially for the purposes of the setting, we'll say that at the very beginning of the universe, there were little cracks in space, and as, you, as the universe expanded, those cracks got longer and longer until they're billions of light years across, So, but they can't be detected unless you actually encounter one um, for whatever reason. So these cosmic strings, um, what it's enabled uh, the factions to do is to they're constantly spinning so it's to travel around them and then when you get you get travel around them you get flung to a far distant um, area of space that's unknown um, but the catch is you're way out into maybe you're like in a different galaxy or you're like you know five hundred thousand light years away or in the middle of that space wherever it sends you but there's only a small window of time that you can be out there to do your exploration before the 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 string rotates and then it would not if you go back through you wouldn't be in the same place so what i think that would enable um the setting to do is we wanted we wanted the next to have another more purpose besides fighting internally here it would be a way for them to make rapid expansion or to find technology that's like way farther in the future or stranger or resources like energy resources materials that are in other parts of the universe but they've got to make targeted jumps to these locations to get the stuff and get back. And at the same time, you know, other factions might want the same thing, knowing what's on the other side for that window of time. So now you have the ability to have like, um, you know, these temporary jump missions basically through these cosmic strings. Um, I was calling them like quantum filaments. Maybe there's like several that have been discovered and they go to certain places and different windows um, but the idea is that they're dangerous. They're dangerous to approach because of massive tidal forces. So think like black hole, you know, kind of tidal forces, but not an event horizon. Um, and there's probably lots of conflicts about who can control uh, access to these points, because um, the windows that they go through, you know, are maybe they're predictable, but they're also short. Um,
0: I'm getting really uh, strong vibes of the shards of reality that we had from. Oh, God yeah. gods. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to tie that in if we can. And that would explain a lot of the things that we're talking about as well, because it's not just that, you know, these are ter- like I can imagine that these strings that you're talking about mm-hmm. are perhaps just fractures in the world as we know it. And they're kind of skipping yeah. and jumping ahead and, and whatnot.
2: I mean, it lets, it lets you have, like, what I really love in sci-fi is when you can read something multiple ways. So, like, if you can, if you want to read it, like, with this underlying, like, faith, like, sacred um, mythology to it, you can read the the cosmic string as really, you know, the reality shard, right? That's what's happening. But then you can have, you can even have this in-setting where it's, like, other people say, oh, no, this is purely scientific, and, then they describe it as being created at the beginning of the universe. But both can be true, and that's what makes it really interesting, you know?
0: I, I... Completely agree. I love the duality and I love the, I mean, I I love anything that makes the world's less cut and dry, less black and white, Yeah. because that way it's like, who actually is correct in this regard? And that's what I love. Like, I love Mm -hmm. the not knowing. and It's like the
2: conflict between, um, in, in DC sign again, and referencing, um, with the Bajorans and their faith and then, um, Cisco and how he thinks about, you know, the universe and how those things come into conflict, but also they're aligned, you know, sometimes.
0: So Daniel, you said that it, you had like a bunch of ideas surrounding the conflict around these astral strings. I'm assuming that's part of your conflict. And what did you have in mind when it comes to
2: stuff like that? Sure, and I'll, I'll put these on the table so that we can play with them. But um, I was so I was thinking, well, okay. One of the things I loved about Mech Warrior was the clans and the different factions that are out there. So I thought, well, thinking about this setting, um, we had people expanding from possibly Earth or wherever they originally came from. We don't know because it was that period of of disunity, right? Um, so I thought the the original f- um, factions that came out of that travel they're actually corporate charters. So they were corporations that were created to do this exploration. So each of the corporate charters they have a name, something company. So I was looking actually I was looking at like some star charts, like on Wikipedia of like nearby M um, class worlds. So I gave them names after three that were in descending order from Earth. So I thought Centaurus Company. That's like you know Proxima Centauri, pretty close um you've got uh, the wolf company uh, you know in star trek that was wolf 459 but there's a bunch of other uh, wolf stars near us and then um, the trappist company which is f- well farthest out so these three companies i thought they'd have um different qualities so like the centaurus one being closer to the inner rim wherever they came from um you know they were the oldest uh corporate charter they're controlled by wealthy families old money, you know, they, they want to consolidate power. So maybe in the, in the battle for unification, they were like a major player. Um, And I also thought each of these companies have a post-human development about them in the sense that um, being out there in space, they had to figure out how to make themselves better to survive. So with the Centaurus company, I thought maybe, you know, they found ways to enhance their longevity and therefore keep their, um, their grip on power longer. Um, with the Wolf Company, I was thinking maybe this was like a military arm of the Centaurus Company that went out to do a lot of work for them. and They broke off um, and now they've become this they're the kind of the fractious honor bound gunslinger types. Um, they don't have a single leader. And maybe they're like post-human ability is they're like super into psychoactive drugs, and like mind enhancing abilities. So like heightened awareness and you know focus and things like that. And then the last one, the one that's the furthest out, um, which is probably the newest of the... Or actually, the, I guess they'd be the oldest of the explorers. But they're like space miners, sort of. And they're not really on any settled worlds. And they're um, very resistant to, like, climactic um, extremes. So think, like, humans' hardy grades. And I don't mean they physically have to look differently, but just that they have um, these enhanced post-human abilities. Maybe their society is more collectivist because they've had to work together. So in summary, it's like three three groups that have been part of the original expansion. Now they're well established. They have some unity because of the war that happened and they're all in, they're all in conflict over control of those quantum filaments. Definitely getting some mech warrior vibes,
0: (laughs) which I I, I do not mind at all. And again, we're getting into the point where like the further out you are, Mm -hmm. the more you get, you know, kind of space cowboy or at least space Western vibes, which again, not opposed to in the slightest whatsoever. So when you're talking about conflicts between these three factions, what would you say is fought over the most? Are you talking specifically about the astral strands that you brought up previously?
2: Mm-hmm. I would say yes because like to your point you talked about like political intrigue. They're not at war with each other, but they need to have a leg up over each other in case one of them, it's like a cold war in case one of them, you know, goes goes um astray. So Having control of these filaments means they always have the advantage over of, of new things they can discover, new technologies and resources. So, you know, sending their mechs through those to make those jumps, like whoever, or those, their relics, rather, whoever can do that, you know, and have the advantage has control. And so that's what it's all about, is like who can control the destiny of, you know, the, this whole human sphere, you know, through it.
0: Understood.
1: Gotcha. I, I could see them collectively being referred to as like the corp worlds.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The corporate world. Yeah. Cause I mean, they're all, they're kind of the descendants of these corporate charters. Right.
1: Yeah. So are you saying that they're more genetically altered or like descendant? Uh, they have slowly just bred into being uh, adapted to their environment.
2: Yeah. I think well, at least in terms of this post-human quality, like they, it may have been things they did when they were out exploring initially, but now it's like part of them in a sense that it's physically part of them, you know?
0: Hmm. I would also imagine it differs from faction to faction as well. You know, like yeah. I would imagine that the, uh, the Centaurus ones, they're yeah. probably more into, I, I, for some reason, I'm just picturing them as the, um, what is it? The Mechanicus priests from Warhammer 40k. Yeah. They're basically grafting mechanical parts onto themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, imagine you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and for some reason I'm thinking that the, the for, the space miners are the ones who are closest to like regular humans in a lot of ways mm-hmm. whereas the the other ones are the the wolf the wolf star are essentially just genetic freaks like our continuing drug some <laughs> yeah. yeah something like that yeah but or or at least like you know like they're they're hopped up on a genetic cocktail of or or maybe not even necessarily a genetic cocktail but a Chemical cocktail that is, oh, just you know, all sorts of fun, awful shit, you exactly, know, like mixed in with DNA. Shit. Yes, yeah. that's
2: yeah,
0: what I but, pictured. Like
2: raging sometimes, or like totally, you know, out of control, or maybe they're like hyper focused in some in some way. I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah, I I can imagine them being like all. And mind you, I don't. For some reason, I'm not really seeing many of these being like relic pilots. I'm <laughs> unlike uh, except for maybe the uh the space miners i'm just not getting relic vibe. like i'm just saying like oh yeah these guys are space pilots and they're soldiers but i don't see them piloting mechs because man one's just super roided out one <laughs> machine and like the third one are like the closest that i can be like maybe i can you know see it that way but I, maybe that's just my mind you know
2: yeah, maybe they've got to train people to have, you know, because they're, they're, they're altering the limits of their humanity. Maybe they've got to train people to be, like, more in control, and those specific people are the only ones, There's very few, in each group. Absolutely.
1: The faction that I had uh, envisioned actually did not use any mechs whatsoever. In Ooh. fact, they were fiercely anti-mech or anti-relic. That. The faction that I came up with that is fiercely anti-relic, uh, anti-mech, is, oddly enough, super religious Uh, so i found the fact that you had mentioned that they could be formed from the uh, god hearts very ironic um they feel like the machines at least to this advanced point are uh completely uh evil wrong uh i had not thought of a better term than calling them luddites uh they are a populous group that kind of was founded from a old religion where they took like an ark style ship of uh not using anything like the filaments this was way back when when uh, generational ships would have probably been the only way of traveling mm-hmm. and they forged uh out into the solar system kind of formed their own area even before the 200 year uh dark times and they attack those who use mechs in force in fanatical like uh section like they don't have mechs of their own but just imagine like a colony of ants uh assaulting you and kind of uh just chipping away at your armor I picture them with like construction style uh weapons to like hit at the weak points and it d- they don't care if the if the machine like zaps them off or anything there'll be like 10 more who try for it again that
0: sounds really bizarre and really interesting terrifying yeah and and so obviously these aren't so wait if they're anti-mech what are they using are they like just playing out there yeah like what kind of low tech are you using in the middle of space
1: so the low tech term is a little bit uh because it's still high tech to us but i was seeing them using kind of like uh I don't want to say it's stolen from Attack on Titan, but pretty much grappling gear where they like launch onto them and then zip line into them and then hit at the weak points of the joints.
2: Kinetic weaponry is what they're using. Like they're not using energy weaponry, basically.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And also, I pictured that uh, their ships are primarily made for ramming. Like they don't have <laughs> shields or anything. They just I go
2: that. <laughs>
1: like, heavy holes and and just ramming speed
2: a blade of armor like crazy
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, yeah i was i was also thinking of just like just pointy ships as well or like, <laughs> you know our ships are our weapons that type of thing
2: it also speaks to their their personalities i bet like you know i wish i got a question for you are they like klingon like and that they're like crazy you know um war war banner sorts or are they like very militaristic um straight-laced you know zealots like what is their personality
1: so i didn't see uh, straight-laced zealots i could see but they are uh, a colonizer of worlds where they're uh, idyllic farmers and stuff like that but when the mechs came in they were like no we were we were told by our ancestors that these things were evil so we're not they're not like honor bound to attack they're they just see themselves as just like, all right, it's time to turn our uh, plows to swords and attack these things because they can't destroy our way of life. Oh, I
0: like that. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good twist on that. I like that. I, I, again, these are essentially neo-Luddites. Yeah. I, I can mm-hmm. see why you make that comparison and name. Yeah.
1: I was trying and, to find another term for Luddite. And the only other thing I came close was teetotaler, to total there. And that was,
0: I thought that was well, alcohol.
1: That is alcohol, but, there was a lot of overlap there it's like gotcha. straight edge is what that's called or i mean oh there, God, it's like... no i'm not calling my
0: <laughs> no
2: no we are we let's are the, totally what's the term the Swords to plowshares is that it it's like the inverse it's kind of what yeah I'm it's the there. inverse it's, yeah. it's it's
0: plowshares to swords uh-huh. but actually it's it's funny because as soon as you mentioned that now i'm just thinking of you know like of of plowshares to swords i'm thinking of like Farming equipment as weapons. So it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a John Deere tractor, but with like a really sharp end at one point. You know, I, I mean, know it's it. it's really
2: cool from a world building perspective because now you've got to think, okay, what kind of technology do they have to to terraform worlds that they've now turned into weapons? Drills, a bunch of mm-hmm. drills. Yeah, chemical warfare, chemical warfare for sure. Atmospheric warfare, yeah, atmospheric. Yeah, oh
0: yeah. Now we're now we're getting into it. With mm-hmm. some slight modifications, that chemical warfare is now like corrosive, you know, mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. or, or at least it's like, you're trying to gas out the relic pilot, you know,
2: they probably underestimate them too. Cause they're like, Oh, there's a bunch of backwater, you know, like yeah, crazy farmers. Yeah.
0: So my question <laughs> yeah. now to you, Christopher becomes, what do they do with the relics once they like take them apart or disable Whoa.
1: them? <sighs> my gut. I hadn't actually thought of this, but my gut says they throw it into the sun. But, uh, oh, shit. It's linked to their, uh, to their worship, which it, it's quite easy to just be like,
2: we
0: worship the sun.
2: I, <laughs> I like, like that because farmers, it's like putting that them back... makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's like putting them, belting them down to their essence of, and restoring member- them to the universe, you know? Hmm.
1: And in the end, they're just creating a gigantic god heart.
2: Oh, God. Yeah. Can they, can
0: they continually throw it into the same sun? It, oh yeah. The it's sun just, of whatever their system is. Yeah. So like, it's not only just a matter of, okay, they go out to other systems, they kidnap and destroy and disable relics. And then they have to drag the relic all the way back to their system. It's, it's great as a narrative conceit, because then you have the opportunity to have the pilot's, Look at these, you know, like these ants, as you call them, and Mm -hmm. make the mistake of underestimating them, getting their asses kicked, escaping, but still Mm -hmm. having the opportunity to save their relic in the long run because they have to make the ship or the journey back.
2: They can even have a very dark purpose in the end, because I can imagine adding uh, unknown magical, semi-magical materials to your star, what could eventually cause it to go supernova, you know?
0: Or develop into another apotheosis.
2: Oh yeah, mm. like then mm. it moves unto itself,
0: and then and then maybe this is maybe time is cyclical, and we're watching the creation of the original god blob, aka the apotheosis. Oh as man! As people continue to throw Godheart after Godheart into a sun,
2: that's that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, I'm imagining it's like the forge of something is what they call their son or something like that. But that's, that's maybe that's just me. The crucible, angle, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. The, the crucible works for sure. Oh uh, my God. What have you what? done, Chris? Yeah, you no, created the, the villain again. Great job. No, they're the good uh, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone's here. I They just want to go back to their farming. plowshare fact plowshare company that's what they are
0: okay that's fun that's fun (laughs) well it's it's funny that you mention the the kind of religious conflict that they had because i had something similar in mind for my own conflict and the conflict that i had was the relics versus the law and in my mind and what i'm introducing now is the relics in general space you know like whether it be zaibatsu controlled or religious controlled you know the major space faction they're illegal to own and operate relics in oh. in space yeah and i'm doing this for a couple of reasons one i want because it's pretty fucking obvious right if you have a politically based and politically motivated like sp- galactic empire they're going to look at these things and they're going to be like they're giant ultra mega nuclear bombs times a thousand that strip away the humanity of humans (laughs) Uh and they're also worshiped by a cult of religious fanatics. (laughs) right, Right. So like anyone would look at these things and be like, we can't have those. We cannot have those. And that's why relics are illegal in the majority of space. And so the reason I did this is one, because of that reason that I just said, And second, you now have outlaw relic pilots, which, which means that you can't just be flying a relic out in the open. You now have to hide it. You have to like put it in a space trawler. And Daniel brought up this idea of like, you know, like space miners and the the outskirts of this kind of, you know, galactic empire. And I'm like, Oh, we can just go with the straight up cowboy theme now. Right? Like, and 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 i also like the idea that by having them be illegal there's just a little bit more danger and you know being part of the crew it's not just a matter of oh yeah no these relics are part of the culture it's a matter of these things are feared when when uh, the general populace looks at a relic they're like oh oh you're dangerous and there's a stigma to it and so there is that kind of fun aspect when it comes to who are these people who are piloting these things? And yeah, that's, that's just what I wanted to do. And also it's like a, a, a fun little nod to political themes that I would kind of want to play around with, but you know, that that's the general idea that I had for my conflict.
1: See, okay. I would also see it as a part of where, when they're interacting with the officials or a little bit of people who are more in there that every now and then they might also encounter someone who is faithful. And it kind of goes against it where they're like, yep, I don't see anything here. Wink. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. I th- mm-hmm. I did want it to be. So it's like the galactic government absolutely uses relics, but they do it with like, oh, these, th- this relic pilot is doing exactly what we told him. But we have no official ties. You know, like you want to talk about a wink. Yeah, there's probably, you know, govern- governors in the empire who support relics and are faithful. And, you know, you also have the, the inverse, which is they are not faithful, but they still see the use in relics. And so they use them despite them being illegal. Okay, I mean, so now you,
1: privateers are sanctioned pilots.
0: Right. And and I think it's kind of fun because now you have a level of. Espionage and intrigue when it's like, Oh, well we can, You know, like you could have one that you're not playing a relic crew, but you could play like a political game where you can prove that this particular senator or governor has ties to a reliquary and has ties to a relic. And if you wanted to ruin his reputation and make sure that they don't go to war because of his stupid bullshit, you just prove that he's the one who's been behind using this relic the whole time.
2: I mean now you have the ability to have proxy wars right so like i'm imagining we didn't talk much about like the quote-unquote interim or like what's happening on earth we talked a lot about what's what the colonies that are outside of it like if if this the source of this government or the the law and order of that outlaws um the relics you know stems from earth and it's it's immediate surroundings like the the really strong built-up center um, you know, these other companies that are out there, you can have them fighting the, the wars secretly, you know, like they're doing they're doing the dirty work, basically, um, that's outlawed because they're the, they have their own um, their own mechs that are not allowed, you know, and they're and they're fighting on behalf potentially of a more affluent political faction within, you know, Earth's inner sphere. Um, and, and again, the, the terminology comes a little bit close to Mech warrior, but the idea that you have, you know, politics in a stable sphere of people who are working together, but then they need things to happen that is just not allowed. And so they let it happen on the fringe and um, the fringe gets the benefits, you know, for doing the dirty work.
0: I absolutely love that idea. Mm -hmm. I I love the idea of, I I mean, proxy wars alone. I I love it. Like, and, and again, this is one of the things that I wanted to tie into the setting was the inherent political aspect of these things and having the, proxy war kind of come into play totally makes sense i love it
2: yeah i mean and and a lot of the conflict that happens out there has to be deadly and has to be against the law because they're trying to secure really what it is is earth is trying to secure control over those filaments right so they can you know have the advantage potentially against the synths which we haven't talked about that are out there right so and then you know and maybe they're not as they don't interact as much with our society but we're not really sure what they're up to so this is all about an arms race in the end too, and and who's going to be in charge of that arms race, like from Earth?
0: Damn, yeah, Whew. I I just have to exhale there for a second because I'm holding my breath the whole time. Uh, yeah, that's that's so far, oh, that's so fucking cool. I love I love it when we get, when I get excited about like oh, I, want I want to tell this story. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: I technically haven't done a conflict, but you can easily see the conflict between uh, the faction and uh, pretty much everyone. Uh, Yeah, my idea of a conflict was uh, slash also event. I wanted the uh, idyllic farmer people to uh, also be the cause of the gate incident. Like, what they did was they sent, like, suicide people to take them out and be like, listen, we're not going near you anymore. Like, get out of our town. Hmm. like like some of the faithful and destroy all the gates and just like good we don't have to worry about the filaments for eh, 200 years
2: or like did they did they destroy because like my idea with the filaments that was discovered that's enabling to to expand even more rapidly is this like something that happened prior to the 200 year jump that caused space travel to be kind of broken so like did they maybe do a terrorist action that broke up all the generation ships or like fucked up interstellar travel
1: i want to say that uh say 200 years prior there was like the start of uh them moving out and trying to unify things and their uh, way of fighting that was just like well we'll just destroy uh, the doors
2: no that makes sense i don't think you mentioned that because i like the idea that they had they were responsible for the initial 200 year lull in travel
1: it also sets them up that uh even though like personally i can sympathize with them it understands Mm -hmm. that like Backwaters and things that didn't have access to medicine and machinery for the last two hundred years. You know, your grandfather died, your great grandfather died from these things, Yeah. Or the whole reason that your world is kind of shit and you don't have a, I don't know, a proper running water. Sometimes is
2: and because you can't be blamed for it because you didn't you didn't personally do it. Your grandfather did it, you know. Yeah. What's really
0: interesting about that, by the way, is that my faction ties directly, or not directly, but very like my faction is very close to what you're talking about here. Uh, I basically wanted to introduce uh, a far right extremist group to earth. Uh, one's, you know, you kind of have your extremist group out in the outer rims trying, you know, who have been separated from earth and the main, you know, kind of empire aspect. I wanted it to be the opposite where as yours is essentially a, a a faction that is an enemy attacking inward. I wanted mine to be a a corruption that was an enemy, you know, that is at the planet's core, essentially, because I think that that kind of um, theme is what I wanted to explore a little bit as well. And I think that going back to one of my previous um, influences was there is a was the legend of the galactic heroes has a great faction, which are basically a far-right extremist group. And I wanted to talk about that and have that explored in, you know, the Earth. Like why, like why, why would Earth have an extremist group? What would they look like? And basically, instead of like far right nationalists, I had this idea of just far right planetists, you know, like <laughs> there's not nationalism, it's planetism. And I wanted to throw in this idea that they're extremely anti-corporate and extremely anti, you know, because right now the conspiracies are all, oh, there are globalists, right? Globalists are controlling everything. And now it's a little bit like, well, these are, you know, galactists or some, some dumb bullshit like that. right? <laughs> Where,
1: Outer so spewers. it's not the
0: globalists that are behind everything, but these are the ones who are, you know, like this is, the rich elites want to abandon this planet for the stars beyond. They want oh, to drain man. this planet, drive its blood while they're off on their sun deck of some interstellar cruiser. We won't let them. This is our planet. This is our oh my planet. God, I, love I love that. I planet. love it. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of the vibe that I wanted to go. So they're, they're actually probably in line with how the, your Luddite people, Chris kind of work out and but but just like from they both want the same thing but they would also hate each other's
2: guts if they were They work with each other secretly. Yeah, like I bet they, they that's their proxy war. Like they're using the the Luddites out in the the plotshares company to achieve their ends secretly from within from within the earth.
0: I could definitely see that as well. I I I mean and I I like this idea that their message can be kind of popular even though it's dumb. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how how you know like Nazis are still somehow a fucking thing, even now. You know where we can have like, Space Trump. Basically. They are galactic
1: <laughs> proud boys. Yeah, oh my
0: God. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but but. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you called mine straight edge. I had to. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. No, that that's totally fine. I got no problem with your straight edge Luddites. That's totally okay. <laughs>
2: Well, there's room to have, like, uh, like um, presidential maneuvering, like, whoever's in charge of whatever, you know, council controls Earth's economy and functioning, like, they would love to install a leader who can preach that message as far as it can, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely correct.
2: And he's orange, so...
0: Well, I, look, I, I would like to avoid direct compare. This is not Baki the Grappler, where Trump is an actual character. Yes. Oh,
1: yes. I will send yeah. you the photos. Oh, my
0: goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so I'd like to avoid that if possible, but I would like to keep the allusions to something similar, you know, because we are living in a time where there is. Er, fascism about, and I'm not saying that the current political climate is fascism, but we're really skirting the edge on it. Like, I don't think because I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, this is these are Nazis or whatever, because that's Mm -hmm. obviously played out. But we're certainly skirting with some kind of a political climate where there are literal secret police who are unmarked and taking people away. Yeah. And I don't care if you think that I'm being hyperbolic, but that is something that should terrify everyone. Regardless of your political beliefs, and yeah, I, I wanted to inject a little, just a little bit of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, science fiction is a reaction to to what's happening right now, so it makes yeah. sense, you know. Yeah, I mean,
0: I and and not only that, you know, that I love creating bad guys, yeah, and I love creating factions that are like, oh wow, these are jackbooted thugs who are committing arson. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the type of shit that I want to get into, and this is an easy scapegoat, and of course what you have the double twist where you have, Oh, these are the arsonists and guess what people or like, a, you know, these are domestic terrorists and they blew up a building. And because of that bombing, that person became really popular and won a seat in the governor or the yeah. Senate or whatever. And then it turns out that that Senator was working with them the entire time. Yes. There's always fun. I stuff love that so much. With that. Absolutely, yeah, and and, you know, you want to talk about so far left that you turn right. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can have that as well. You know, that that's that's what I wanted to invoke with my faction.
1: that would be fun for when we talk about lefts. Do make a right.
2: (laughs) yeah.
0: So, Daniel, what was your faction?
2: Um, So my last one in my faction, we didn't talk much about the synthetics, so I wanted to give them something to do. (laughs) Um, I had uh, the concept of what I'm calling the Mondo Corporation, Um, and this corporation, uh, it, it... on the, to the outsider, it seems like a a really elaborate travel company. Like it it it's it has the veneer of uh, this marketing veneer that makes it seem friendly and um, about entertainment, you know, galactic entertainment, and traveling to new and exciting vistas and um, you know, get on the space cruise liner, jump through the, gla- the, the quantum filament and explore this ocean world, like weird stuff like that. So they have this commercial veneer, but, but they're actually secretly, whether secretly or, or publicly controlled by the, synthetic, the synthetics themselves, like their corporate board. And what they are actually doing is they have been mapping um, the quantum filaments uh, because they've been out in space much longer than the rest of humanity. And so they have some secret agenda underway um, and a lot of the factions have to align with them, whether it's the ones that are fighting the proxy wars, or the companies we established that are out there, you know, on the edge, or it's the, the government near Earth in the inner rim. They all have to interface with this corporation because it has the most knowledge about um the cartography of these quantum filaments. Um it also possesses lots of advanced technology that it keeps close to the chest, but that it's willing to barter away for information it needs. But the question is, like, what are they really up to? What is its What is the amount of corporations' connection to the synthetics, and how much can we trust them, if at all? Because we know that their board is full of these synthetics, who maybe the synthetics, you know, they they've developed abilities to uh, appear like regular people, and so they can infiltrate easily, and that makes them even more sinister. And maybe that's a myth, but no one knows, and and so it's this faction that has a smiley face on the exterior, but on the inside, it's really dark and questionable.
0: I love that because now I'm getting, I mean, we talked about Blade Runner last episode and I'm mm-hmm. still getting Blade Runner vibes, except now the, you know, those people are, or those synthetic are essentially in power in a lot of yeah. ways. And I love that. That's a really, and, it, and it's, and it's also just a smart idea because obviously it's the synthetics who are going to have that knowledge and they're going to have, because they were the first ones out in, those outer worlds right of course that makes perfect sense yeah so they
2: discovered the filaments a long time ago it's just a question of like why are they keeping so quiet what are they really up to because no one's been to the synthetic home world no one knows what goes on in their territory you know
0: well i I do want to push back on that a little bit because earth is the synthetic home world maybe oh well yeah i mean the
2: the you know their current their current area of space that they control like way out there that could also just be a rumor
1: Mind Mono- a rumor <laughs> that somewhere out there that there is a world where it's nothing but synthetics. But yeah. That's that, yeah. A rumor.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I would imagine that that was probably something that happened during the 200 years of, you know, separation. Mm-hmm. And also I, I, now you're, now you're getting my brain all sorts of percolating yeah. because I'm now thinking that the synthetics were traveling in using the strands during that time they just weren't letting people know you know like maybe they were expanding or exploring or exploiting you know some of those three x's in there uh the the universal star map as a result maybe they were the only ones during that time who were able to travel and so now when they reunite everyone they're Mm -hmm. extremely powerful and it's a matter of hey, we have all the
2: chips here. They may have been pulling the strings originally. Yes. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. And I mean, we, and it's, we talked about potentially there might be synthetics in human crews, like ones who are not part of their larger society. But like even those people probably keep things close to the chest. So I'm thinking kind of a Romulan mentality, like where they're mm-hmm. always seeing themselves as sort of outsiders, even when they're on your side.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Damn, that's cool. That's really cool. I love I love that. I I, I love the idea that, you know, and, and maybe this is maybe these guys are like the bargainers, you know, when it comes to a lot of this stuff, because I'm thinking that. When we talk about the reunification of the planets and of the the galaxy, right.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm thinking that humans came to this with or, or maybe the, the previous kind of galactic federation or whatever the fuck we're calling it, they came to it and we're like, hey. We're going to go out and we're going to reconquer everything. And then when they start to go out, the (laughs) Mondo Corporation is like, look, we're going to come back and we're going to come back peacefully. Mm -hmm. Here are our terms. And then the Federation realizes just how outclassed they are. Yes. And then so they kind of are forced to settle in like a. Make a retreat
1: treaty, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be public. They could be like, listen, we could embarrass you or we can use the fact that people think you're in control.
0: Exactly. Absolutely, and exactly. and like, but you know, it's it's oh, we're we're fighting for unity, mm-hmm. and in reality, it's like, look, you have no idea how fucked you
2: are right now. Just let that's, us, you know, that's why like, they have that that veneer of like friendliness and commercial like entertainment, you know, because it's yeah. it brings fake unity. It's like the corporate, um, it's a corporate lie, basically.
0: I I, d- I do want to stay away from like you know, Mom's Robot
2: Factory, but oh like, no no,
1: yeah. I'm thinking but, like um, the universe.
2: Yeah, like a, a fancy, tra- like a travel company that seems lux- luxury and like very like um, high class branding. That's what I see. Like, you know, like, like Apple. yeah, like Apple or like, um, <laughs> you know, like a, any any of those Luxe brands where the colors are basically black, white, and like a, a hinge of gold. That's basically their corporation, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, or, or yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with that. Yeah, are. All right. Uh, are, we, are we done? Is that it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Wow, yeah. it did it all. Well, that takes, I
0: think that'll just about wrap it up for this episode. I feel like we've re I, th- for some reason when we really flesh out the world through the, these explorations, I'm always just like, Oh yeah. It's like, this is the meat of the episode. Like the tenets yeah. are like the, the framework that we can build on. And then these episodes where we introduce the other stuff is when it like really gets deep and like interesting, I think. Um, but anyway, happy 52 episodes, gentlemen, uh, Love you very much. And remember, guys, if you wanted to send more emails telling us how great we are uh, because we hit 52 episodes, you can send them to worldbuildwithus@gmail.com, or you can go ahead and send us a tweet at Let's World Build. I mean, you don't have to heap praise, but you can actually just send us like a cool idea that we can use or maybe just you know, what you reminisce on the last year of podcasting that we've done. What's been your favorite world that we've explored or what's been your favorite moment? Uh, or you can just send us hate mail about how yes. Pacific Rim actually isn't that bad. Send me yeah. hate mail.
1: Death threats lately. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know. We, we only received the one death threat. I'm disappointed in cool. you guys.
1: Send me more yeah. hate. Uh,
0: yeah, but <laughs> until next time, remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together.